The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. We have lots to talk about in this hour. I have two guests. The topic today is women, women, and money, women in success. Um, and uh, before I just tell you who my two guests are, and we have uh, one of them right here waiting for us in the studio, um, women and money, interesting topic. I know uh, in my family, women are supposed to be well-educated, get a, get a degree uh, from a good school, get a master's degree, a Ph.D., but one of the underlying narratives in my own family is that women don't make money. They're not supposed to make a lot of money. They're supposed to be bright. They're supposed to be uh, do well in their field but not really make a lot of money. If you're a doctor be a family practitioner. If you're going to be an attorney, then be someone who works for poverty law, but don't go to a big corporate office and become a a, a litigator. Uh, And, of course, being a social worker is great because you do good work, you have a good education, but you don't make money. Uh, So given that, my first guest is Dr. Ella Edmondson-Bell, Ph.D., uh, she is an author, and we're going to be talking about her new book, but she's also an associate professor at the Amos Tuck the Dartmouth School of Business, so she knows all about women, money, management, success, etc. And uh, we'll, um, she's here with us now. So before I go on, I'm going, to, we're going to, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Ella Bell. Nice to have you on the show. Good morning. How are you this morning? I am fine, thank you. How are you? Okay, fine. So I, uh, your career GP, Strategies for Women Navigating the New Corporate Landscape. Yes, career GPS. GPS. Yes. Korea GPS, mm-hmm. Strategies for Women Navigating the New Corporate Landscape. All right, Dr. Bell, what's your book about? Why is it specific? Because we're talking about women in success. I mean, you've and not only women in success in your book, but you're talking about success and how women can be successful. And you talk about multiracial issues, black women, white women, and the differences between the two. So, Well, you know, we all have different scripts, Catherine. I was listening to your script. The script in my family um, was basically my mother was a seamstress and um, an education. I'm adopted, so my, my biological side, they were all teachers. And then um, the woman who raised me, my mom, she was a seamstress. Uh, and it wasn't about making money. It was doing good for the community. It was helping others. It was helping other, particularly others in the black community, lift as they climb, as we say. And corporate America was not evident in any of the works of my mothers, my grandparents, or any of the women in my family. Um, when I finally did get my doctorate, I recognized that there was a whole lot 
of opportunity, much opportunity for particularly women of color in the corporate sector. And white women started in the corporate sector basically as secretaries, um, but they were gradually moving up. But there is still a line, a demarcation, if you will, in terms of women who are at the top running corporations and women who are actually making sure that corporations are operating successfully. Career GPS is a book that helps women understand how you navigate and how you advance and plan a career in in the in the corporate world. Um, if you are like me and you're a first generation, did not have any exposure to corporate life. Um, Dad did not work in a corporation. There was no table talk at dinner time about what happened at the office. Um, you might be rather naive. Um, and unschooled and not socialized, not in a negative way, but you just don't, you just haven't had any opportunity to learn how to advance, to learn uh, what the norms, what the culture, um, how do you succeed in those environments. And Dr. Career Bell, GPS I have to ask is you, but I want to interrupt you. That. Okay, let's say you do sit at the dinner table and you do listen to that. I mean, my father wasn't in corporate America, but he was a, uh, had his law degree from Harvard. He was mm-hmm. a successful we have a lawyer, and he talked about his what he did and his work day and his clients and his successes. Right, right. But you given that, even so when you wanted to pay, become a lawyer, you had some clues about what it would take to be successful as a lawyer from your dad. Yes, exactly. But then it's a it's a big jump between when you actually get into the situation, because I think there are just so many things that women still, given even if you have that benefit, let's say. Um, they seem to get into, let's say, the big law firms. Uh, right. They're not made partners, or they get into the, you know, you're talking about corporate America. No, exactly. Yeah. Why is that? I think there is a couple of reasons for that. First of all, each culture is different in any company, in any law firm. Uh, and the rules of the game change over the years. Um, there is one thing to be somewhat savvy and aware and have mentors um, and, and allies and role models from your parents that can help guide you. It's another thing when you get inside. You still have to um, show the performance. You still have to build the relationship. And um, particularly in law firms and as well as in corporations, if there aren't any women in the top of the house, it is very hard to do because there are no models carved out for you. There's nobody who has been able to show, here's how you navigate that. And quite honestly, I think younger women today look up, and if they don't see representation, women like themselves at the top of the house, they ask a very good question. If no one's made it, why should I? And why should I bother? Because there are other choices for these women, for this younger generation, that that my generation at least did not have. So what would be your advice to these women? What do they do, and how do they overcome this? I mean, what, as women, they're sitting, as you say, they're in maybe middle management, whatever they, you know, in a big corporation, and they see, hey, there's nobody at the top. Um, how am I going to get to the top? So what I makes it, you know, in your book, you discuss, like, what, what do we have to do as women right. to get to the top, even if we don't have those mentors, even if the CEOs of these big corporations are not women, black or white, Okay, well, here's, here's some of my ground rules. Ground rule number one, understand the culture that you're in. What does success look like? How is success defined? And take some time to really observe, ask questions, so that you get a good idea of what's going to be required. And not only the rules that are written down, 
Culture is everything that's not written down. Culture is who who has dinner with who, who has um, interacts with who, who eats lunch with who, who um, sits by the the water fountain um, and and um, talks. How are meetings operated? Is it all right to use your 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 BlackBerry in a meeting? Is it all right to bring food into a meeting? Um, what are the norms? What are the rules that are not written down? Be sure that you understand the culture. Ground rule number one. Ground rule number two, be sure you're bringing all of yourself to the table. Leadership in today's corporate world is about bringing all of you to the, to the, to the leadership table. And I think too often as, as women, regardless of our color, we're trying to fit in. So we often disguise our behaviors to make it more masculine, to make it more manlike, to do what the boys do. Believe me, that won't give you long-term success. It might give you short-term success but it won't give you long-term success. So, Dr. Um, Bell, are you saying bring in your real self? Don't bring try to emulate the men, self. but bring exactly. in your real what self. You give us an example get. of that, though. Like, what can we do? Because, you know, very often, and I have friends who, you know, this happens to or has happened to, mm-hmm. they don't get it. You know, okay, you can see who eats lunch with whom and who plays golf with whom, but really the bottom line is they don't get invited to the golf game. Well, sometimes or, you have to invite yourself. I think too often we wait for the invitation. Ground rule number three, and part of ground rule number two is bringing yourself to the table, means exactly inviting yourself in. And that's not an easy thing. You have to look for allies, um, men and women who are already at the table, who will help you. You cannot do it alone. So the third ground rule is being sure you have really good, authentic relationships with people who can help you get into the network. But if you sit and wait for an invitation, you'll wait. <laughs> you'll be waiting a very long time. You've got to figure out how to get yourself invited, and you've got to be able to say, gee, you know, I'd like to be involved in that. So are there task force that you can um, uh, volunteer for? Are there different types of um, committees that you can volunteer for? Am I making more work for you? Yes, I am. This is not an easy reality. It is more work. And women, unfortunately, still have to do a lot of that work to break into the network, to break into those informal relationships. So you have to be proactive. That's what you're saying about it. Oh, that's an excellent word. Catherine, I like that word. That's right. my word proactive. for today. Proactive. Yes, you have to be very proactive. Look, but you know, one thing, and I, I want to ask you this because I think women tend to do this. We think that if we just do a good job and we do what we're supposed to do and we mind our own business and we're very responsible, that people are then going to take notice and we'll get our raise or we'll get promoted. And whereas men, I, I don't think are stuck in that kind of mindset. They, well, they're more like, you know, else? I worked here for six months, I deserve a raise, no matter if they don't or they don't. No, or it's they true. Don't. It's my observation, too. And I, I will tell you something else. A male is not afraid of making a mistake or going into the, to the manager's office or the boss's office and saying, let me run this by you. Um, we have a tendency to want to show how good we are because part of it is we want to work against the stereotypes that says that we're not as good. So we want to show how good we can be. And our mothers and our grandmothers told us, go, particularly if you're an African-American woman, you know, you just go in there and you work as hard as you can. But the reality of it is you can work as hard as you can. If you don't have the relationships, you're not going to go anywhere. People have to know who you are. And I think that's a message. I think even in, I know for me that was a message, you know, you know, be a, 
I'm putting good in quotes. So be a good girl. No, right, work, exactly. And you'll and you'll you'll accomplish. You, what you will want rise to, to the top all by yourself based on your merits. No, you will not. You can work as hard as you want to. People have to know who you are and what you're bringing to the table. The other thing is you've got to find a way to be able to involve people in what you're doing. Every now and then, it's not a bad idea to ask for help or to ask for feedback. And feedback is a friend. I truly believe that. Feedback, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, gives you an idea of where you stand. And it's important to know where you stand. That means you've got to have conversations. That means that you've got to go in and say, you know, I'm not too sure how to do this. You know, how, how do we you know who to this? trust? How do you know how to trust? Like Dr. Bell, how do you know when you say feedback? And it's painful to get feedback, but you're right. You need to get it. So you, you got to get it. But who, do you ask your coworker, or do you ask somebody who's above you on the ladder? Or I mean, how do you know who the person in this big corporation is the person that you can trust? Well, you know, your 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 manager. You have to be able to ask, like it or not. Okay, and yeah. you've got to live with that feedback, and you've got to figure out how to use it. Take, you know, I always say with feedback, you take it with a grain of salt. Here's what fits. Here's what I really need to work on. Take your um, ego out of it. Here's what I work. Here's what I need to work on. And um, here's the part that doesn't fit for me, and that's where your mentors come in. Mentors are very, very important. They're sometimes more advanced than you are. Um, your your assistant, your administrative assistant can be your mentor. Um, but you want to look for, and if this is people who can provide you information. I think when we think about mentors, we always think of people at the top of the house. I like to believe that there's a constellation of mentors, people around you that can provide you support, feedback, um, and resources, access to information, which is critically important. So I always like to ask my mentors, how did I do on this? Um, what could I have done better? What really clicked? What really popped? Where do I need to um, perhaps um, get a little reinforcement? That's an important thing to do, and you just can't be dependent on your manager to do that. Your mentor should be positioned within the organization, within the company, that you have people throughout the company uh, in your division, in your department, that you can sit down and have a one-on-one and get some feedback that you can trust. But right. you've got to build those relationships. Mentors, critical, and you have to build those relationships. You've We're going to take a short break on that and, one. And you can We're talking to Dr. L.J. Edmondson-Bell, Ph.D., author of Career GPS Strategies for Women Navigating the New Corporate Landscape. She is an associate professor of business at the Amos Tuck School at Dartmouth. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
securities and real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. And my guest is Dr. Ella L.J. Edmondson-Bell, Ph.D., if you're just joining us. She's the author of Career GPS, Strategies for Women, Navigating the New Corporate Landscape. And she is a professor at the Amos Tuck School, a business school at Dartmouth. Very prestigious. We're going to talk about that in a little while. Um, and, but Dr. Bell, we were saying that you were giving us kind of the how-tos, what women um, need to do once they get into the corporate culture to get ahead. And one of the things that you that you talk about that's really important, you have to have mentors. You have uh, to have key. mentors, yes. But then also you mentioned allies. We need allies. What does that mean? Can I get? Well, let me let me say two things because okay. I forgot. Okay. Yeah. Allies are the relationships that you have with other women. You can have male allies, too, but I think it's very important to have female allies. Those are women that cut across the company. They can even be outside your company. But what's an ally? An ally provides strategy. You sit down and you strategize with your ally. Um, You sit down and you learn, get information, what's going on in your part of the organization of the company. That's important. Um, you need to have a world view of what your company is doing and, and, and particularly in different parts of the, of the companies, these large companies. So you need information. So you're gearing what you're doing, uh, make sure, making sure that it fits and make it, making sure that, you know, you're adding to that bottom line. Um, allies are also wonderful for picking you up, dusting you off, and kicking you back out there. Can't always what, do that what, with a mentor. You can't, but Dr. Bell, what about this? And uh, maybe this is just a myth, and you can address this. But <laughs> I don't know. I know where you're I'm going. Not sure but, if it is ahead, or not, but you know, they talk about you're, here. You are. You're a woman. You're in the corporate culture. There are very few women. Uh, you know that few of them are going to get to the top, and so you a lot. You know, you have an ally and another woman. Can you really trust her? Because you're both going after the same position, and there aren't that many positions available. You know, when you look at it as if there's only one position and you turn it into a competitive model, you're doing yourself a really big disservice. There is more than room for one at the table. The demographics are showing that women will be entering in increasing numbers more so than men. Um, if we keep looking at women, if we keep looking at each other as, you know, the competitive and it's going to be her or me, we are not going to win. 
until women come to the leadership table and say, where are the other women, and how can I support women, and how can I get more women at the table, that's when we'll see a difference. So we need old girl networks just oh, as well as old yes, boy networks. Oh, yes, my dear. Yes, yes. And, and, and the other thing is, the other crucial relationship that you have to have is a sponsor, somebody that can kick the door open and really make a difference in your career. And that's not a mentor. I think we've told women that, oh, you've got to have a mentor. You've got to have a mentor. And that's true. A mentor gives you tons of information. Um, you also give to the mentor by allowing the mentor to see the organization, the company, through your eyes. So the mentor is learning as well. But the reality of it is mentors are not always at the table, the decision-making table. You need to make sure that you have a relationship with somebody key who's at that decision-making table. And you do that by doing good works. You do that by making sure that there is fantastic buzz about you. And that's what your mentors and your allies do. They put the buzz out there that you are just fantastic, not only as a worker bee, but you really know how to work on a team. You really know how to bring uh, great ideas to a team. You really know how to listen to people, and you really know how to develop people. Those are all critical things, and that buzz has to be out there about you. So you need allies, you need mentors, and you need sponsors in order to really advance in this uh, in this corporate world. So when we talk, we've been talking about generally the corporate world. Are different corporations do they respond or have traditionally respond differently to women in different types of companies? Either the corporate culture is different, or what they're selling is different. Um, how does that affect women? Depends on the industry. Finance is still hard. Finance, real estate, to some degree, entertainment. Those are harder industries because they are so male entrenched, and the history there is so um, is so masculine, quite honestly. So those are harder um, areas to move into. Uh, if you're looking at health, if you're looking at some manufacturing, particularly around marketing. That is a little bit more flexible for women. And right now, I would say it's a hot area for women, uh, particularly health. I would look at marketing. Uh, why? Because uh, p- uh, companies have to figure out how to get their, their, their products out there. And the women are the buyers. So if you, would you recommend, let's say, and I want to get into um, to business school, would you rec- we'll talk about business school, particularly uh, at Dartmouth, um, recommend women probably pursuing healthcare and marketing rather than trying to right now, especially in these financial... I would go for finance, too. I would say that the fact that the demographics are changing, everything is an opportunity. I will be very clear about that. Do not be afraid of finance. We have women at Tufts that are succeeding. Um, our alumni, as well as our graduates that are coming out, they are succeeding in the finance world. Okay, there, there are, are like no two bars you know, the top ten right business now. schools in the country, and Dartmouth is one, obviously, where you teach. Let's talk about some of those business schools because there are young women listening, deciding: Should I get an MBA? Should I get a law degree? Uh, what the, maybe the differences in some of the the MBA programs? And uh, because you know, you've told me there are some big differences in terms of which MBA school that you choose or that you get into. Um, and also, that's number one. But number two. Specifically at Dartmouth, what is the ratio women to men in terms of 
diversity? We have about, let's see, I don't know the number right off the top of my head, um, but we have, I would say, a good, ooh, I don't want to just put it out there. I would say about, I would say roughly uh, 39 to 41%, 42% are probably women. International, we have women from all over the world, too, by the way. Yeah. Is that typical? Um, I think the numbers are growing, and I could be real wrong. I'm just looking at my class, and in my class, I would say that a good, maybe a little under a half of my class, and I have like 160 women, I, have, I mean, I have 160 students, would be women. I have 160 students in one of my classes. Now, Tuck is a small school. Um, we're really good um, if you want that hands-on approach. If you're looking for boutique firms uh, in consulting, in finance, uh, um, if you're in entrepreneurship, if you're in health, um, because we have a great connection now with the medical school and doing some phenomenal new programs in that area, um, Tuck is is a, a, a great place. It's a deep sense of community. We're in Hanover, New Hampshire, so you get snowed in the winter, and, of course, you've got to build relationships, and the faculty are top-notch. But here's what I say. If you really are looking at assuming a position in the executive suite in any company, then I would say you would need an MBA from probably a top uh, MBA program within the top 20. Yep. In other words, networks are important um, for you to be able to be a part of. Um, getting to know the lay of the land, these schools do a phenomenal job at bringing in executives, um, doing internships, um, doing good career placement. You really need a top-tier business school so that you really can be well-positioned, that you have a solid network behind you, and you have a phenomenal education. So you need the, you need the credentials. You need to here you are. Executive suite. Now, if you don't want to be in the executive suite, if you don't want to be on the executive floor, then a solid MBA. You might not need an MBA, but if you want to move into management and leadership, an MBA cannot hurt you. You can go to a local school. I mean, you're in New York City. There's some phenomenal uh, local MBA programs uh, in New York and Manhattan. There's Baruch. There's Pace. NYU would be in that top twenty. Um. Columbia will be in that top 20, um, but you have quite a few uh, options in New York. So look at what the options are. Now, I want to get personal. We have three minutes left. Okay. <laughs> and because here you are, a woman, a woman of color. You are at the top of your game. You are teaching at one of the, I mean, you're teaching at an Ivy League MBA program. I mean, don't do the women in your program come to you specially and 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 want to know your secret or do you mentor them in w- ways that may be different than you would mentor a young man? Well, you know, we have a woman in management program. Um, we have a woman in management. Um, I, I guess it's a, a social network at Tuck, and I do work with them. Um, we just had Trudy Sullivan. I believe she is. Um, the CEO, I can't think of, um, oh, it's a great, Alberts. She was <laughs> phenomenal. We, she came, she spoke at a dinner, um, and she and I just, you know, we asked questions of each other. We try to expose the women so that they can see women who are really making a difference. I do a program um, called Ascent, Leading Multicultural Women to the Top, which also includes white women. And we spent a lot of time helping the women learn how you navigate 
um, companies. Do I believe, look, if a girl from this, a little girl from the South Bronx, which is where I'm from, <laughs> can wind up graduating out of James Monroe High School, getting a 320 on an SAT score in math, can wind up teaching at a top school, and I taught at Yale, I taught at MIT, Anybody can do it if they decide that they believe in themselves, if they're willing to work hard, and if they never give up, if they are determined and actually listen to the feedback and actually are willing to work as hard as they can. Can you do it? Can you make a difference out here? I believe it is women's time right now in these companies in corporate America. I believe it's your time. If not now, when? I love I love it. I also like your 320 in math because I have the same brain. <laughs> I've got that right brain, left brain thing exactly the same as you do. We have to say goodbye. It's been terrific. Oh, Happy it has you. been. I hope we get a chance to talk and meet and make plenty of snow, snow angels today, Catherine. I will. Thank you. Have Career a GPS, Strategies for Women Navigating the New Corporate Landscape. You can buy, the, buy it online. New book, Dr. Ellis. L.J. Edmondson Bell, Ph.D. Thank you so much. Yeah. Coming up next is Sarah Van Breck. Peace and plenty, finding your path to financial serenity. And this also has to do with women. Don't go away. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. Uh, my guest this morning, my second guest this morning, is Sarah Ben Bretnock. She's the author of Peace and Plenty, Finding Your Path to Financial Serenity. Financial serenity, I guess that's what, not just men, but women, we need financial serenity as well. This is the story of her spiritual journey from prosperity to destitution to peace and her guide for women who have lost their financial and spiritual way to get a fresh start. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Sarah. Oh, it's nice to be with you, Catherine. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Well, I, I do answer to Ben Brethnatch, but it, it's Bon Bronick. It's Irish. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's close. It's close. It's close. Okay. Uh, oh, well, anyway, your book. Like, I love your book. I mean, it's very obviously it's applicable for now and the financial, all the difficulties we're having men and women, but this book is specifically for women. And one of the things, first of all, why did you write the book? Uh, you know, how did it come about? Because this is not your first bestseller. Your first bestseller was the New York Times bestseller. Um, you, I guess at the time, didn't have a lot of money, went on the Oprah show, sold millions of copies, became wealthy, lost the money, I tell your story already? Yes, you have. <laughs> now she's finding her way back. Yeah. And now finding your way back. Okay, so. Um, yes, well, well, you know, I, the first book that, that was a hit um, was Simple Abundance. And uh, that was, was such a hit, it was on the New York Times bestseller list for, for a couple of years. And, but I had originally started Simple Abundance um, for myself. And um, I started Peace and Plenty for myself as well because I – a lot of people think simple abundance was about money, but simple abundance was about appreciating and about gratitude. Uh, peace and plenty is about money, uh, women and money, and how we make mistakes. Um, how it's how we can't even tell our truth, can't even tell ourselves the truth about money. Um, we have so much emotion wrapped up in money. Where yeah, women's relationship with money is very difficult, and I think that's you know yeah. when I was reading your book, it's a it's truly um, 
you know, you talk about financial sanity and serenity, but women and money and our relationship with money is always starting from when we're very young for whatever reasons. And I, I think that's, um, and that's a issue that you tackle in the book and you give examples of people's, you know, other women's struggles as well as your own. But, um, we have a lot of contradictory feelings, as you say, over money, um, that are for all of us. Even though they may be somewhat different, they're familiar and uniquely feminine. Can you address that? Because I think that's the key. Well, I think that um, for many women, you know, as you said, you know, we only know about money or how to handle money by how we saw our mother and father handle money. Um, so, and then we're grown, and we're, we we have the, this set of um, prejudices or assumptions or um, fears about money. And um, and we take it into our adult lives. You know, women, it's the emotion that women have about money. Um, when we go back and the guilt, when you think about it, we're we're guilty, we have shame, we um, want to hide our money mistakes, we don't want to admit our money mistakes. Um, for every woman who has ever hid a purchase from her husband um, in the trunk of the car or the back of the closet, even Mrs., um, uh, uh, you know, even Michelle Obama um, said that uh, that her husband will come poking in her closet and he'll say to her, "Is that new? Is you know, <laughs> is that necessary? Do you really need that dress?" She said, "No, I've had it for a while," which means <laughs> I am the first lady of the United States. States. I need that United dress. States, you know, has it? I've had it for a week. <laughs> so, um, I just, I just knew that the choices I had made in life. Um, the circumstances that I now found, found myself in uh, were based on my misunderstanding of money and its meaning in my life. Okay, so let's start. Maybe we should backtrack a little. Um, given that, in the beginning, before you had a lot of money, let's kind of tell your story and then put that in the context of the book. All right. I am, I'd been a freelance writer um, in Washington, D.C., and uh, for about 25 years I had a nationally syndicated column with the Post. Um, I, but it was a, you know, a precar- freelancing is precarious because you never know um, how the flow of money is going to come. Um, it took me four years to write Simple Abundance. Uh, I, was, I had a young daughter, um, and uh, uh, it was turned down 30 times. But I, uh, by every publisher in the United States, but I just knew that this was the book I was born to bring into the world. So I continued on it. Um, after it was published, uh, Oprah Winfrey discovered it and had me on the show. I'd been 11 or 12 times. And um, we, the, it launched the gratitude movement um, because the, the heart of Simple Abundance is about gratitude and appreciating what you have. Um, I never wrote really about money in Simple Abundance. There's a week of essays about money. But it was about, you know, seeing the richness, the wealth of the life that you had every day. And the only thing that was missing from it was your appreciation of it. And that's what struck a chord in millions of women. And, Sarah, we do have to add, because people think, well, you write for the Washington Post, you're an author, you have a lot of money. Not necessarily true. You may have had a lot of prestige, but not a lot of money. So oh, exactly. you were struggling to make ends meet, oh, taking care of your daughter, until you got on Oprah and the book became widely well-known and acclaimed, right? Well, yes, <laughs> but I didn't even, you know, I certainly didn't know that. The advance that I had gotten 
for writing Simple Abundance was 21000 which was supposed to last for four years. It lasted until you got you paid the agent. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Simple Abundance is a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. so, that is Simple Abundance, I must say. <laughs> there was. And yet Simple Abundance wasn't about money. It, it, you know, it was about everything else and uh, in a woman's life. So, and then overnight, you know, um, I received money the way all women want to receive it, magically, in the bank account, um, when the royalty checks came. And I was simply stunned. I was, a, you know, a deer in the headlights. And then I had to hire staff, and there was such a growth so quickly. And um, suddenly I was taking care of people, and people had mortgages, and people had health insurance needs, and... Um, I was trying to develop my business by using my own money, not not generating money in the business yet. And I think that's very typical of women. Yes. A lot of women do that. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's an important point. You know, they they don't see they they personalize it when they shouldn't be using their own money. And and I think that's a, a that I've known a, a lot of women mistake. doing yeah yeah. And um, that that was really you know when the ground beneath me started to uh, beginning to crack. You know that was a mistake. Um, and uh, then I, I moved to England. Um, my daughter was going off to university, and I moved to England, which I loved. Um, I'd had a little cottage there, and um, and I got married to an Englishman. And then I learned new lessons about money um, and about how women need to protect themselves. Um, you know, you always need to have your own bank account. You need to take care of your own money. You just because you have the fairy tale that you want to be taken care of, um, you need to know that you have to have your own bag of gold. Um, if it, like the fairy tale, you have to know um, how to take care of yourself financially. Again, I didn't, and I learned lessons the hard way. But right, the hard way. Give us an example of one hard way, and I'm going to tell you one thing that my father, who was not necessarily someone who was promoting women's rights, but one thing he did tell me, you know how those little things stick in your mind, mm-hmm. he said, you know, when you have money or you have your own money, he said, always keep it in your own name. You can do whatever you want with it. You can give it away. You can give it to your husband. You can give it to your kids, but keep it in your own name. And that resonates with me. It was such good advice given many, many years ago. What? And that now, that, that very good advice from your father, and thank goodness you had it, yeah. um, and you're very lucky. That, that advice is like my number one rule now because I didn't. And I wanted to share everything. And unfortunately, I was sharing it with someone who didn't respect, you know, me or my boundaries and um, ended up marrying me for my money. And the revelation of that was uh, very heartbreaking. Uh, And um, I don't take Sarah, do you take responsibility for that or do you blame him? Oh, no. Oh, no. If I had understood, I take... I take responsibility for doing that marriage. Um, uh, when I had red flags, uh, uh, I ignored them because I, I wanted, you know, for love. Oh, no. If I had understood the sacredness of money um, and had understood, uh, given it the respect it deserved, I never would have made the choices in love that I made uh, be- because I would have been a different woman. You said the word respect. I think that's key, and I think that's something that, we're re- that we are afraid of. 
uh, when it comes to money, to say that we respect money. Somehow we associate that means we're greedy, we, all we think about, is, you know, all we want is money, we're not good people, and that's not true. You, respecting money is very important, um, and I think that that's, for some reason, it, it's gotten a bad rap in terms of how we think about it. Um, that's because there are so many conflicting bad emotions around it with money that you can't think that if it, something causes you shame and makes you have guilt and remorse and everything else, that that could be something that you'd want to give your respect to. But had you given your respect to the power of money to change your life for the better? And, uh, you know, Catherine, we don't remember the Good Samaritan uh, because he stopped by the side of the road. We remember the Good Samaritan because he took the injured man to a hotel um, and paid the hotel bill and, and for his re- his recovery. That's why we we remember the Good Samaritan. Um, money money deserves our respect. Money can be our friend. Money can take care of take care of us. Um, I had a conversation with money. Um, and we're going to take a break on that conversation with money. When we come back, we're going to talk about your conversation with money, Sarah von Brocknock. Peace and Plenty, Finding Your Path to Financial Security, her new book. I'm Catherine Zoff, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Don't go away. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And I'm talking to Sarah Bonbrockneck. And she's the author of Peace and Plenty, Finding Your Path to Financial Security. If you're just joining us, we're talking about women's relationship with money, I guess, uh, uh, in a general way. But uh, we're getting real specific about it. And, uh, Sarah, you said uh, 
you had a conversation with money, conversate what you think, thought was your thing is very important. So share that with us. Well, I did. Um, when, I went, when I was on my money journey, um, I had a conversation with money one day, and I said, you know, I really love and appreciate what you can do for me. And, you know, I, I get to take care of people and that I love. I get to help causes that I love. I get to, you know, buy gorgeous shoes and not think of the price. I, I get, get, you know, I have a lovely house and all of these things bring me great joy. And I, I just love and appreciate you so much. Thank you. And then when, when he said, well, if you love and appreciate me so much, why do you keep giving me away? Well, I think the word comes to my mind is responsibility. The money is a is and I and for those maybe who don't have a lot of money, although I think this applies to no matter how much money you have, you have a responsibility whether you earned the money or whether you inherited the money. Somebody else made the money, and it's your responsi- it's your responsibility to do good things with it and to and to take care of it. So I think no matter where the money comes from, the word responsibility is really important. Yes, and I, I use the word responsibility in a different way. Um, I talk about my desire to learn to be a good stewardess of the money, um, to, to apportion the money in a correct way. So how did you <clears throat> write yourself? Because okay, you made a lot of money, you, know, you sold this book, millions of dollars, you get married, your ex-husband uh, is spending your money, you're not taking care of your money. Um, let's get back to your story. Then what happened? Well, um, when a woman doesn't take care of um, things in her life, um, her life goes south and things get get worse and worse. Um, finally, uh, uh, about 18 months ago, um, I picked up the, my aged cat and uh, got on a plane and came to my sister's door, arrived at my sister's door, and no words had to be spoken. Um, because I'd left a marriage that that had become dangerous Um, and uh, started all over again. And I started to write Peace and Plenty in the corner of her living room. I lived with her for a year uh, and went through a divorce, had to go through a a prenup trial in, in England because they don't recognize prenups as law in England, had to start selling um all of the assets that were left, and uh, with nothing but knowing my faith and knowing that, you know, heaven was with me, um, a higher power was guiding me, I sat down to have a conversation on the page with myself and, and with money. And that is peace and plenty. And all of the practical things that I did, learning how to budget through keeping... Uh, cash envelopes, very great um, technique from the Great Depression, and the thrill of thrift, learning how thrift uh, comes from the old English word to thrive. It is, doesn't mean it's cheap or parsimonious. It's actually abundant. Um, when I saw that in your book, and I think the thrill of thrift, because my connotation for thrift is that, well, you have to just you know, save everything and you know, save rubber bands, and I, I don't want to do that. No, 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 no. That's, being, that's being incredibly parsimonious, incredibly frugal. Or so it cheap. has to do with thriving. And another quote in the book, which, I, which is really becoming quite popular now, I see it a lot, is keep calm and carry on. 
keep calm and carry on. That came from um, Great Britain. Uh, that was, was that Winston Churchill? Was he the one or was or no. not? No. Uh, no, it was a poster that had been made by the, the, the Ministry of um, Propaganda, or they actually had, yeah. um, and the War Ministry, and um, it was to be used in case the worst happened, which would be a German invasion. And so this uh, poster that simply said, keep calm and carry on, um, was going to be the poster. Well, the Germans never invaded England, thank God, and it was never needed to be used, so the poster was pulped. But about um, a decade ago, uh, a British bookseller uh, bought a box of books at an auction and found a copy of this poster um, at the bottom of the box. And so he framed it, kept it near his cash register, and um, everybody coming into the <laughs> the bookstore would say, "I want a, I want that poster. I need that poster. We all need that poster. We all need that poster. Carry and on. I mean, that's what it's all about. If we can keep that going in our heads, which is what you obviously did when you're at your sister's writing a book in the corner of her living room, um, and you talk about a higher power, but you also, Sarah, have to have an inner strength. There has to be something there because you know you you really." You know, you've suffered, and I'm I'm kind of identifying with you. Uh, you know, it can be shameful and humbling and embarrassing, and uh, all of those things. Uh, having gained all this recognition and money, and then losing it and going through an, I'm assuming not a, a, an ugly divorce, and uh, winding up in your sister's living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, inner strength is. I I I like to think that inner strength comes to me from my faith but um, that it will be all right, that I will be all right. Um, but thank you. Um, it's always good to hear uh, uh, that, you know, pointed out, out to me. It, it, it is the inner strength that, um, that I had to learn. I had to get that muscle, you know, strong. Um, and uh, and the thing that, that helped me. Well, well, we have a few minutes left, and I want to specifically relate all of this to women because the same kind of thing can happen to a man, maybe in slightly different ways. Uh, you know, men can also complain about you. The women marry them for their money and then, you know, strip them of all their, their <laughs> assets. Right. What makes it, maybe just address this, What what's different about this with women and money and what happened to you? Or is, you know, because we are talking about women and money as opposed to men money and losing their money. What, is, is well, there I, a... think, I think what happened to me and um, all of the stories that I tell in Peace and Plenty, uh, my stories may be more dramatic, but um, they are similar. Uh, no woman I know knows how to talk to her husband about money. Um, and I'm saying the only way to do that is to make sure you have a bank account in your own name. If you are dependent on um, the person who gives you money, if you are dependent on them for everything, then you've, your inner strength is shut down because you are dependent on them. Um, I think it is honoring um, the idea to protect yourself first. It's exactly what your father told you, and you're very, very lucky, Catherine. It, and I am. I consider myself lucky, and I think as you, you're, what you just said is important. Maybe women have to understand, besides being responsible with their money, they have to have an adult relationship with money. If you're marrying somebody, you're equal. You're, you're two adults. And when you, if you give all that money to the man or to your partner, mm-hmm. you, 
set up a kind of a, a, a parent-child relationship with money, exactly. and that's not a good thing. No, no, that's a very good point. Absolutely. So yeah. we want people to go out and get to, we want women, particularly not, well, men too, they can read the book as well. Um, Peace and Plenty. Uh, website, where you have a website that we can go to. Yes, I think it's abundance.com. Uh, please, it's www.simpleabundance.com. Okay, and so we can get the book um, online, bookstores everywhere. Sarah Bon Brocknack, so nice talking to you this morning. I really appreciate it. Lovely, Catherine. Yeah, Thank you. You have great insights. Um, we're going to say goodbye. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Hope you had a great morning, and we'll see you next Wednesday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up?